The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Oh dear. Oh dear, sweet, terrible creatures from the bay. Evil creatures from the deep. You thought us weak? You thought us stupid? You thought you could just get a quarterback in the draft and come in here to... I forget if this game is actually being played on the road or not. I don't care where it's being played. No, it's in Detroit. It's in Detroit. You think you're going to come here? No, you can't. You can't. The Lions are back. The Lions are back. The Lions are back. Uh, Get the kneecaps out of the way. I don't give a shit about the kneecaps. We'll bite other things too, you know. Elbows? Those are tasty. Thighs? There's always the good meat. Always good meat on the thighs, dark meat, arms, wings, brains, make some head cheese. I don't care. Listen, that's all to, to the you up in the Bay Area. Those are all not organic. You understand? They're not organic. You won't eat them. They are not free range. This is chopped, processed, slurried and slopped right on your plate. That's how. That's what uh, goes into our lovely Coney dogs. Yes, the Lions are back, and 49ers, you're not making it across the Oregon Trail this time. You're not coming back the other way. You got typhoid. You got gout. You're going to die. You're going to die. Ah! The Lions are back. They're premature. We're probably losing this game. Who cares, though? We will destroy you in spirit, though. Mm-hmm. There is no end. There is no end for you. 49ers, 49ers. No, I have the number for you is zero. Zero dysentery. Yes, thank you. Twitch chat is reminding me of the other disease from Oregon Trail I kept missing. Dysentery. Yes, everything shall perish. The Kool-Aid is on. The lions are back. I already cracked my can. So welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. For those not not watching at home, the Lucha Mask is on, as always, to start the season. We got that out of the way. We got the psychosis out of the way. Now let's uh, do the rest of the show. All right. Hi, I'm Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett on Twitter. P-E-R-F-E-T-T. You'll allow me each year just once. That's only that's all I ask is once to get the dander up. Now over to Ryan Math. Uh, excuse me. Actually, yeah, yeah. Screw it. We're going reverses this time. Ryan Matthews. Black 
Rock is the motherfucking rock guy. At Ryan underscore POD. Let's go, Ryan. Lions are back. The Lions are back, and Jeremy is sitting back in his chair because he's that upset that I got billing over him. So thank you, Chris, for introducing me. I am here. I am ready for a new season of Lions football. Why don't, why don't you go see how that other guy's doing over there? Why don't you introduce him since you keep stealing host oh. duties? All right. Well, let me introduce him as the editor in chief of Pride of Detroit. You can find him at Detroit on Lion. It's the third man in the podcast, Jeremy Reisman. <laughs> Welcome to the jungle, baby. I had to hold. What that are we doing? For super long. Wow. That's what happens. It's game week, y'all. You get it's relegated to third when you become a traitor. We'll oh, talk about that do? later. Oh, okay. What you're gonna you're gonna tease us like that? Oh, hey, that'll be a scraps talk. Two things off your bingo card, right off the top. Two things off the bingo Let's card. Go. I still need to make the bingo card for the season. The season is on. It's here. The long summer of discontent is over, and now it's time to talk about the Lions, real Lions football. We keep moving the goalposts. First, it's like, all right, we have football back. It's the pre, it's the training camp. Okay, now it's real games. It's the preseason, and now, all right, the fake games are out of the way. Real games, real football, real men, real grr, real real grit and then and then come january we're like all right that was just a regular season now it's lions postseason baby which means mm-hmm. draft coverage no no <laughs> <laughs> that's off season you do, you thought you <laughs> thought all right so what we're going to do on this podcast first off we're going to talk about our overall season expectations because we like to revisit things sometimes we've got a schedule up in front of us we've seen a preseason we've seen the final roster we're ready to, to articulate our thoughts upon this season. Uh, last month, we also did the state of the pride before the preseason. We are going to revisit that and give a new state of the pride going into the actual season itself. And then later on, we will look forward to the 49ers game. First bite is back. We do have a host from I mean, a guest, excuse me, from the Bay Area who will be joining us for, for first bite. So we'll get the 49ers angle then. But on this show, we're getting the lion's angle. So I'm uh, I'm a little winded after that. I'm not going to lie. And this Lucha mask is hot. So just Jeremy, we're here. The lions are here. Um, I kind of feel like I'm saying that as a threat a little bit this time around. Um, and I know our expectations are probably low and we've tried to make them as low as possible, but. I just I I want to start this by asking a very pertinent, very in-depth, very, very insightful question. Um, where are you at? I think I think I'm at a at a content level of low expectations, like you said. Uh I, I came into the offseason, you know, I think when the, the schedule first came out, I threw out seven and ten, and that was just kind of like a random F you, like I have to do this because everyone does season predictions when the schedule comes out and didn't put a lot of thought into it. And then obviously um, you know, training camp happened. I, I think it, it lowered my expectations a little bit to be completely honest. And that's fine. Like I'm not upset about it. I, I obviously I want the team to do as well as they can this year and, and surprise a lot of people, but you know, I, I, I have low expectations. This team is incredibly, incredibly young as we talked about on a previous podcast and young could mean promise, but it doesn't always mean promise. I think that's important to point out while we, we have all these, we have all these what if scenarios right this year. Like what if Jeff Okada takes a big jump? What if 
Will Harris suddenly takes that year three jump that that the coaches have been saying they've been seeing. Same with, uh, you know, Tracy Walker. And, you know, what if Jamie Collins succeeds in, in a non-Patriots, um, you know, defense? What if Jared Goff recaptures his magic? Like, yes, if everything goes right, this team has a potential to surprise some people. That being said, it, they're not all going to, you know, you're not going to roll doubles every time or, or whatever the sevens sevens every time it, it's just not going to happen there are going to be some setbacks there are going to be some players that don't reach their full potential this year and so it's probably going to result in some pretty poor play at times and i'm okay with that because the lions have have really resolved themselves into a full rebuild into a very very young roster and that means this team will be hopefully i, I think my goal for the season now at this point is just i want this team to look a lot better in december than they do now that's it. Ryan Mike is nodding his head. He's <laughs> nodding his head fiercely at the very strong. I want to see this team do all right in December. Yeah, I, I I'm, I'm mostly lock in step with Jeremy. I, I think that overall, Chris, after the preseason, after training camp, after the dust had settled and then e- even I, I would say all the way up until roster you know, uh, shuffling and everything like that after the Lions got down to 53 and then obviously had to do some some maneuvering to get their final, you know, quote unquote roster set. I'm I'm just looking at this team and I'm I'm hoping that they'll be competitive. That's that's kind of like my baseline. Like, I just want them to be competitive. Like if they can get out of this season without any just pitiful poor showings where they you know get blown out like think back to the tampa bay game a year ago like as long as anything like that doesn't happen i think i'm gonna be i'm gonna be pretty cool with whatever the lions can pull off in their first season like i know jeremy hates throwing out number predictions when it comes to win losses i don't really care for them either but i'm kind of jeremy like when when the schedule dropped i i thought six and eleven I, I can easily be talked into five and 12. This could be a four win team. Um, I, I, I see them at least winning a couple games, but um, yeah, I'm going, yeah. I'm, I'm going lower. I'm can I, can I, the last thing I wanted to say too, was I think my expectations for the entire season changed as soon as they trade Matthew Stafford. Right. right. So I, I don't think there's a single move that happens for the rest of the off season that moves the moves the knob even close to what that did. And I think that completely re rejiggered my expectations when it came to this season. No, that that move ripped the knob off completely. Yeah, like, we weren't we weren't moving anything after that. Um, I went a lot lower than six. I think when I put in for the writing, I think I might have said three and 14. But that's about where I'm at. It's just that as much as there's. You, you say you don't want to see the Lions blown out. I think there's maybe one, maybe two games where that could happen just because of the matchups. Uh, there are some teams, even who you look at this year and say, yeah, they're not great, but they still provide matchup problems for this team. This this team still is bat- very going to be one of the worst defenses in the league this year. Even with you know some improvement from those guys that, with Patricia removed. That said... I think that what I want to see is just uh, the one word I'm looking for is upside. I want to see the upside on these guys because there's a lot of guys who, depending on what happens to them this year, completely change the, the, the strategy for the Lions moving forward into the next season. And I mean, that's Jared Goff. Does Jer- is Jared Goff going to play well or are you going to get more of the same of 2020 Jared Goff? 
is Jeff Okuda, has he righted the, is he going to be, you know, trending upwards or is that going to be kind of an issue moving forward? So a lot of these younger guys, the Lions have placed their, their, their faith in, are they going to be, are they going to show you why you should stick around for them for the longer term? Or do you have to just kind of reach into the uh, candy jar again and see what, what else you can pull out? There's, there's a lot of questions for the team. It's extended, but as you say, this is the first real rebuild for the Lions since Stafford first came to town. Like the, fir- the first full one where we've just completely ripped the Band-Aid off, completely thrown out everything, and just trying to work back from scratch again. Even the offensive line right now like, is probably the strength of the team, but at the same time, it also needs some time to gel together, especially with Penesuel being a rookie tackle, moving to right tackle, and uh, trying to get you know everything worked out in the system. To me, it almost seems like the coaches are are on stage more so than the players this year, right? Like, this, I think that's the one source of optimism right now because a lot of these young players, we don't know what they are, and w- I'm not sure we're going to figure out in one season in a new system surrounded by a bunch of young guys who don't have a ton of veteran leadership to look up to, other than the coaches. And so to me, I think the coaches are on display this year. And, and if we can see all the stuff we saw in training camp, which is high energy guys have all the players, you know, buying in and, and a lot of them improving like age. I mean, I've said it all off season. Like I'm, I'm thrilled with the amount of players that have already, um, you know, progressed in, in their level of play just over the past month or two in guys like AJ Parker and Jeff Okuda and, 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 and you know, Derek Barnes and just all these young guys who are, are balling out. Now, there are some counter examples to that. The Lions didn't find a wide receiver. They didn't find a, a tight end. Three. Sun God. <clears throat> He's doing well. Sun God. Not doing that well. But I, I think my overall point is just like if if the coaches to me can show that they can progress these players, then I'm going to feel good about the future, regardless of the roster, honestly, because eventually the roster will get in place unless it. And, Eventually, the Lions will have talent in place. Maybe it's not top-tier talent. Maybe it's not star-tier talent. But if they have good talent in place, which they don't quite yet, and they have a great coaching staff, I think that can make a difference, like a huge difference. And so if the coaches can impress me as much as they have already um, throughout the next four months, I'm going to feel really, really good about the future of this franchise. And we've started to see this lately because I feel like after an entire summer of joking about Dan Campbell and kneecaps and everything he said, I've seen some pieces lately, Jeremy, from The Ringer and from other places that have actually stopped and tried to listen to Dan Campbell and are starting to put a a little more of a shine on it. Now, that might be right. That might be a glaze right before the sacrifice. And I think as those losses pile up, especially locally, you're going to see some voices, especially from our friends in the newspaper industry, just calling for heads right off the bat, because this is a new normal. As I said, this is this is new. This this kind of complete from the ground up is new. It hasn't been here for over 10 years. Lions may have underperformed in the past, and that's how everyone kind of expects it when the when the losses pile up. But it's I don't think it's going to be a bet like he still has plenty of room to work with. So you just kind of it'll be interesting to see how strained that relationship becomes when those losses pile up. But for right now, I think at least for most people who seem to know the Lions properly, you're not expecting too much. And any wins are going to feel great. They're going to feel like house money. 
unless you are rooting for draft position, in which case I've got nothing for you at that point. That That is going to be like the ultimate late season thing, right? Like, cause yeah. like I said, I, I expect this team to be better later in the season uh, than, than they are now. And we saw with and, the Miami dolphins, right? Like they, they sold everything. They started from a new, they, they did a full rebuild. They had that season where they started like, Oh, and seven and people were like, this team might go oh and 16. And then they rattle out, rattle off like six wins in their last eight games or something like that. I'm fine with that. Like, I know, I know that's going to push the lines down to like picks 12 through 13, but if they show that much improvement and prove that many people wrong, I'm in. Like, that's that's great news. That's not bad news. That's great news. And Ryan, there is quite a bit of competition for worst team this year, too, which I mean, maybe that moves wins to other teams. And so maybe getting some wins near the end of the year doesn't hurt them as much. But uh, yeah, I mean, just looking at the Lions schedule, if you're talking about down the stretch, I mean, I would say that three out of the four teams that they play in the in the final four weeks are all teams that have playoff aspirations. Packers, Seahawks, Cardinals, the only the only one of those teams, you know, without playoff, you know, expectations or hopes is the Atlanta Falcons. And who knows what Kyle Pitts will be able to do to this defense? Who knows? We'll see. But uh, I don't know. I, I the one thing I do know is that Jeremy is really onto something in the sense that the coaches will be the source of optimism or they will be the source of much torment over the course of the season because everybody is going to be. Everybody is really comfortable with losing right now until, like you said, Chris, those losses start piling up like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like it, it's it's fun to play in that fantasy world where the Lions aren't one and eight or they're not two and twelve. And it's been a long season and they're just continuously getting kicked in the nuts. But I think that what will be the deciding or this will be the, the difference maker was that you won't have a you won't have a figurehead or you won't have a head coach coming out and, you know, puffing his chest when it comes to his prior accomplishments. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the coaching staff to accept responsibility and for me to actually believe it. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I am curious how combative it'll be, but I think um, if any trouble does happen between the press and Dan Campbell, we'll just blame Jeremy at the end of the day. Okay. That all aside. So we we've talked about this. We talked about what, what will surprise us, what will expect us Um, just going rapid fire down here. Then what game do you would uh, looking at this? Can they maybe win that you won't expect them to win on the schedule? A game that they, that you, I mean, like I, I don't, I feel like they could surprise any game. Like I, this is the NFL. That's just how it works. I know, I know this is a scapegoat answer but like say the whole name if you're gonna if you're gonna be like ed it could be any week you've got to go whole i'm giving i'm gonna give jeremy a radio lesson now no my larger point here is national football league fuck national radio okay no no no, say say that say (laughs) say it you want to be that guy you want to pump up the nfl you got to say national football league spell it out i think my point is like i don't think this team i mean overall they don't have a lot of strength but i don't think there's glaring weaknesses either like wide receiver maybe but I, I think there's potential just about in every other position. So that means it can all click in one week. Like just one week, it could all go right and they could surprise the team. They could beat the Packers. They could beat the Ravens. Like, I, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not going to predict those things to, spe- to specifically happen, but I just, I just think this team is like below average in everything. That's how I yeah. would kind of describe this team in general. Maybe there, there are some exceptions here and there, but if they can just play 
if it all clicks, and, and like I said, this, this coaching staff brings a lot of energy. They bring a lot of, you know, put, you know, put the, the last play behind them, positive reinforcement. If all those things can just click in one week, like I'm not ever going to count the Lions out in a game this year. I'm just not. I'm going to count them out in quite a few games. I, me too. Probably, I'm going to count them prob- out quite a bit. Probably the majority of them, I will. I there's, I think there's four winnable games on their schedule. They have the Bengals. It's, they have the, they have the Eagles. The other are, are no chance. The other 13. I, I, I think in my prediction, I said Bengals, Eagles, and a split with the Vikings for my three and 14. I think the Falcons, I, maybe I'm in love with Kyle Pitts, but that's a matchup problem. This team still isn't good at, defend, at coverage over the middle. <laughs> I, Jeremy, I, I think what it is is it's that quarterback syndrome that I'm suffering from right now where I'm just looking at I'm I'm looking at the NFL and I'm looking at the Lions roster specifically and you see Jared Goff and you circle that name and then you put him up against whatever quarterback or quarterbacks Andy Dalton. Lions are going to be playing. Hey, I All right, what do we think do we think Andy Dalton will be starting week 4? No. By week no. 4, no. 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 Okay. no. <laughs> so I mean, it uh, that's that's why I circle a game like the Eagles because it's Jalen Hurts or you know Gardner Minshew. I don't know whoever's going to be under center for the Eagles or if it's if it's the Denver Broncos. It's I I, I don't want to disparage the Teddy Bridgewater name, but it's Teddy Bridgewater or it's Drew Locke or it, it's know, Teddy the, Bridgewater, a bridge to a better quarterback. But then you just look. I don't know. I think you just look at the rest of the schedule and it's like I I don't I don't see anything where I would say the Lions are going to win that game. It, well, yeah, that I agree with that, but I just I just think upsets happen, and this team is capable of up. I don't think this team is incapable of of upsets. I don't. Well, and yeah, and teams that are better than them, I think they could. And we know this season is going to be a war of attrition. So we we do this every year at the beginning of predictions, where it's like, hey, you know, every team is healthy in our in our heads right now, and you know, when we when the Lions play right. the Cardinals in week six, fifteen or whatever, like week 14 they're gonna be all healthy who knows i mean the cardinals could have four wins themselves at that point we don't know i mean hell by the time we play the vikings half the team could probably be out for with covid because of kirk cousins doesn't want to get vaccinated who knows talk about good quarterback play though oh jeez, jeez. <laughs> oh this season's gonna be so weird uh let's take a break when we come back we got to revisit the state of the pride from last from last month set some new ones and yeah keep looking forward to this game it's sunday is coming up really quick and there's plenty to do on the pride of detroit pod cast so we will be right back mm. Mm, dysentery Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. 
and Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Ah, yes, the season preview continues on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. We are fired up, ready to go, and using up all the energy we can while the Lions record still sits at a perfectly balanced zero and zero before uh, hell kicks in. But we're going we're gonna to face this uh, season with um, irony and gusto and fun. This is a science project, and we're all aboard we're all in the beaker getting washed away by hydrochloric acid. Anyway, uh, back in August, we did what we called our first state of the pride, where right before the preseason hits, we decided we were going to say what the Lions have worked on during the offseason, how much they've accomplished that. And then we asked what they're what they need to show us in the preseason. Now, preseason being preseason, I don't think a lot of these came true. Which is kind of the, the dangers of the preseason, but I have here what each of us wanted Seattle Lions before between August and September. I'm going to read them back to us. So I'll start with Jeremy. Jeremy back in August said, I need to see the offense's identity. He said the defense is playing with a lot of swagger in training camp at that time, but the offense isn't really having as much fun. You wanted to see what Jared Goff is. He needs to win you. You, He needs to win me over, says Jeremy. And uh, yeah, that's obviously (laughs) wide receivers too. Yeah, the wide receivers need to win you over. Obviously on Jared Goff, we didn't see much of him. So we'll throw that one right out the bat. What about everything else though? I feel like I have to throw everything off. Like, uh, I mean, we didn't, we saw the first string offense for two series in the preseason. And listen, there, uh, I think I, I was expressing some concern last month because the, the defense was playing with a lot of swagger and the offense wasn't. Unfortunately, we just didn't get it. And I, I think I, I was looking for some sort of savior from the passing game. Jared Goff wasn't it. The wide receivers weren't, you know, really separating themselves from each other. And so that's what I was hoping to see. And I didn't get any of that. And I come, I, I come into the regular season with probably even more concerns about the offense than I did before because, as we saw, the Lions didn't have a wide receiver. We, we, we still don't really know who the number two wide receiver in this team is. It's probably Khalif Raymond. But if you were going to tell me back in August that Khalif Raymond would, would be your de facto number two wide receiver, I'd be like, oh, no. What happened? <laughs> And then, oh, I mean, the, no. Lions, the Lions trade for a guy. The Lions get a guy on waivers. I mean, that's, that, that tells you all you need to know about this wide receiving core. Like, no one in camp did what they wanted them to do. And so you're left with, with Khalif Raymond. You're left with Tyrell Williams. Amonra, like, the only optimism really coming out of, out of that group is Amonra and St. Brown. That's it. Like, the sun guy. That's, that's your optimism. And all that, the, the other things I'm, I'm clinging to and we won't really know this and, and we weren't going to figure it out in the, in the preseason anyways, is 
can a run game salvage this offense? And maybe, maybe that's, that's me jumping ahead to things that I need to see in September. I need to see if a run game can salvage this offense because we didn't get any DeAndre Swift in the preseason. Um, we, we barely got any success. I mean, the, I, I guess maybe that's another positive that we got from the preseason is I, I feel pretty comfortable with the running back depth. Like even, even if Swift goes out, Iguabuke had a really nice preseason and made the team. Jamar Jefferson looked pretty good in camp. Didn't get a ton out of him in, in the regular season or in the preseason. But yeah, I, I, I need, I need this defense to carry this team. Cause to me, I, I just don't think they're going to get it out of their passing game. And, and part of it is a, a lack of confidence in golf. Part of it is a lack of confidence. Uh, I would say a large portion of it is a lack of confidence in the wide receiving group. And then part of it is like, okay, well, you can't just completely rely on TJ Hawkinson. He can't be your, he can't be 80% of your targets. He can't be 80% of your offense. Teams are going to get wise to that. So there has to be some other option. And I guess the best way to mitigate all that damage is a run game. And we still don't know what the line's got there. Yeah, I think you, you mentioned Amon Ross St. Brown, and it just seems like his connection with Goff is just farther ahead, but that's really all that separates him. And he is still a rookie and a, and a mid-round rookie at that. So there's going to be limitations to what he can do. And it feels like a lot of his comfort with, with Goff is, I don't know, was it mostly from the outside or was it from the slot? I mean, you can kick him both ways. Most, mostly slot. I th- he's going to yeah, start on the slot, slot, I would say. But like, yeah, he, yeah, you might see him on the outside a little bit as well. But like, he's, he's mostly there just again because just Goff seems, seems to be the most comfortable with him right now. And that's really about it. Uh, Ryan, you want, said, I want to see what happens when turbulence hits. There's going to be downs, adversity that this team will face early on. You want to see how they're going to react. Now, obviously, preseason, there's not a ton of turbulence to talk about, but there were definitely moments in the preseason that uh, Lions' backs were up against the wall. So what did you see? They definitely flew through some some shaky weather, I, I think. And specifically, it was with a couple of players that the Lions are expecting to be huge contributors and to be productive as soon as possible in order for them to be a competitive football team. And one of them, obviously that jumped off the page was Panay Sewell and the struggles that he had in the preseason were magnified. They were blown up to, you know, a hundred times magnification. And it was something that I don't think a lot of us were expecting. I think a lot of us were expecting a much more polished Panay Sewell and somebody who was ready to plug in and, and solidify that team or, you know, the solidify that offensive line. And it, it's obvious that things are going to take some time. And it wasn't only just Panay Sewell. It was, you know, it was Vitae. Yeah. Well, so that was going to be my next Sorry. guy. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> but, but I think to Okuda, yeah. you see the opposite. So Okuda has that really rough play, right? And one of the things that I really gained out of this preseason were the comments from the coaching staff. And I think that that perspective is going to be so key in having these young players progress, but it was the comments that the coaching staff made about, I'm not focusing on the one bad play that Jeff Okuda did. Like he, he's going to learn from that play. Let's start focusing on the good things. Let's start focusing on the improvements and the strides that he's made already as a cornerback from last year who really struggled to where he is now. Like I, that was one of the things that really encouraged me about when turbulence does hit, because that one play was being, so made to be everything of Jeff Okuda's preseason. We're washing away all the good things from training camp. We're washing away, you know, even game one of the preseason where 
you know, you didn't hear much from the secondary at all because they did a pretty good job. And I'm encouraged by that. And I feel really good about the coaching staff. So, I mean, it's preseason turbulence, though, right? Like regular season turbulence is it's much different because the games matter and they start to count and the fans get louder. And 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 that's what happens. So. You know, it's going to take a few weeks, but I'm. I'm encouraged by what I've seen in the preseason. They're like, I think I think there's something tangible that I can take from the preseason and say that that's that's the kind of coaching staff that I want leading a rebuild and a really young team. I, I, want, I want to build off that a little bit, too, because, you know, the cornerback position specifically with, with Okuda there is it's all about bouncing back, right? Like you ask Aaron Glenn, you ask Aubrey Pleasant, they'll tell you cor- cornerbacks get beat. The best ones get beat all the time. But the only way that you're good is if you rebound for them, you, you put those plays behind you, 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 you wait, you, you weather the turbulence, you, and, and that's, that's something that, you, like you said, that's what we saw Jeff Okuda do. And he literally said, like, that's what the coaches have been harping on us. You're going to give up a good play, but it's how you rebound. It's how you weather the storm that, that really defines you as a player. And so Okuda goes out, gives up a big play early on. What does he do next? Breaks up a pass from Juju Smith-Schuster. Breaks up a, a, a screen pass uh, early on. Like, he, he rebounded. He, he played through it. And that's, you're right. Like, if that can, can, you know, rain over the entire defense, they make a mistake, but it doesn't, you know, snowball. That, that's going to be huge for this defense because, I mean, we just talked for the f- whole first segment how, like, this, the, the, the record of this team could be really ugly by the time we hit November. And if, if, if they can still kind of keep that, like, next play mentality you know maybe maybe they do show us something impressive in in december and and just one quick thing to add to that is that you look at the way that lions defense played a year ago or specifically i think just under matt patricia and i think that there's so many players that you can point to and say that player was playing timid or that player was afraid of making a mistake like I, i think that that talks about jared davis a whole hell of a lot i think that talks about jeff okuda's first season i think that talks about the way that Tracy Walker, I think that's the way that Tracy Walker regressed. Um, I, I think that you get caught up in that. And I think if you have a coaching staff who believes in these players and these players aren't afraid to make mistakes because they had that Ted Lasso be a goldfish mentality. That's that's where you're going to see the improvements. And like I said, that's what's so important for rebuilding and, and youthful football team. This all kind of dovetails into what I had in August, which was that um, I really wanted to see what we had in the defense. I wanted to see them go up against other teams, and I wanted to see what kind of competition would bring out of them. And I got to say, at the end of the day, though, it's it's a mixed bag. I think it's definitely an improvement over Patricia, because as you guys said, it's not a lot of guys playing scared. Um, I'm happy about what's up front, but that's also where a lot of the investment went in young guys like Alan, Ali McNeil and Michael Brockers. It's, it's where, you know, uh, you look at the, but you look at the, the, the defensive backs. I think there's a lot of investment in the young guys, and that's going to be a bit of a wild card. That's going to be something we're going to have to wait and see for the rest of the season on just how good is the upside upside on a young guy like AJ Parker or on uh, um, uh, Bobby Price or some of these other guys on the depth at quarterback. Um, I'm not too thrilled with Will Harris from what I saw from him in the uh in the preseason but you know as you say a lot of guys in the backfield get beat and you just have to bounce back from that linebackers still remain the uh the big question still remain the big question mark especially as we um as we look for someone who can help out in in coverage over the middle but i think where this team is going to at least improve and 
look, there's no there's nowhere to but improve. This was by DVOA the worst graded uh, defense last year. <laughs> there's nowhere to go by, but, by basically, uh, basically any measure <laughs> by by literally every measure. But I think I I'm at least I think impressed a little bit more on the pressure that this team is ex- exerting, especially when say Romeo Aquara, Julian Aquara is out there. That there is some there. I think up front, there's going to be some room for positivity. Uh, as you start to come farther away from the ball, I start to lose a little bit of hope. But uh, for some of the young guys, still wait and see, I guess. Yeah, the, the defense is really a fascinating group for me because it's like a whole new identity. It's a whole new identity, but like, OK, so the Pittsburgh game happened and I feel like that set a lot of people's expectations back and maybe rightfully so. Like it was not fun to see the secondary get torched against but Ben That's the kind of offense you're going to see in the regular season, right. too. You're going right. to see the Steelers uh, offense like the Steelers. The, the tricky part for me is that defensive front, because to me, like we're talking it up a whole lot this offseason, but we haven't really seen it yet. We haven't seen all the pieces put together yet. We haven't seen Nick Williams there in the starting lineup. We haven't seen a bunch of only McNeil next to guys that are going to start. Um, we haven't seen any of Michael Brockers in camp or in games. And, and you know, those are those are significant parts. We've barely seen Levi Onzerike. Um, we, we've seen flashes from some of those young guys, but we need to see what the like. Because I think a lot of us agree, like, part of the reason we think the secondary is, is going to be better is because that defensive front is going to be better. It all works in harmony. And we just, we haven't seen it yet. Like, I, I see it in camp. I see Romeo Quar balling out. I see Julian Quar flashing at times with, with, with some pressure. Same with Levi. But we haven't seen them all out there in the same time. We haven't seen them, you know, face... Uh, a third and long on defense and be able to put Levi out there and Julian out there and Romeo out there and, and Trey flowers out there and just have four pass rushing specialists and go. That's what I'm waiting to see. That's what I'm really excited about. And that's where I think the optimism comes out, but it still has to happen. We still haven't I, I, seen it happen. Yeah. And I, I noticed you haven't talked at all about linebackers because that still remains the, um, right. The fly and, in this ointment. Absolutely. No question. Like, there are so many questions and we, again, we don't have a bunch of answers because we didn't see a lot of Alex Anzalone and we didn't see a lot of Jamie Collins in the preseason, but you know who we did see a lot of in the preseason and has a lot of people jacked up my man, Derek Barnes. And I think we're going to see him sooner That's or right. later and he's going to make mistakes. And it's, it's, it's the same as the secondary, right? There, there's these guys that are really young. They're really, you know, untested. They haven't seen a lot of things that they're going to see in the NFL and they're going to make mistakes. But damn it, they're going to make some plays too. Yeah, I, I'm also I'm also curious to see what Trey I, and I didn't really get my answer this preseason, but I'm curious to see what Trey Flowers is going to do with a new coaching staff that maybe better understands his strengths and weaknesses and maybe can put him in a better position. I know he says he. Uh, I, I know everyone you know noted from the last week or so that he looks more comfortable in where he is right now, but again, kind of have to see them in a regular season game. It's I'm 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 really excited about that that front defensive front, but man, we we can't put the cart before before the <laughs> horse there. Like we have to we have to see. Like we we keep saying, you know, the pressure is going to be there's there's going to be more sacks. There they're going to be more interior pressure, but we got to see it first. We got to see it first. We haven't seen yeah. a lot of those guys. We don't even know for sure if Michael Brockers is is ready, but um, man, the the potential is, is certainly there, and I I you have to like the group of the guys there. Jeremy learned his lesson after the 2018 offseason. Well, yeah, I mean, how many times have we gone into the <laughs> yeah, season and be like, no, this yeah. defensive line could actually be 
pretty good. Like we got snacks. We got we got Ashawn Robinson. We got Deshaun Hand. It's like here. I mean, the good thing is like I just had that whole conversation without mentioning Deshaun Hand. Like he's on IR, obviously, so he's going to miss at least three games. But like we 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 aren't banking on Deshaun Hand having a turnaround season for this defensive line to potentially reach its potential. It's it's good without him, right? Mm-hmm. Potentially. Potentially. <laughs> all right, so we that's all of August. Shall we set some expectations on Stay the Pride on what we want to see out of this first month? I don't expect to come back to this every month, but I think now that we're looking at the regular season, you know, that's the state of the pride, and it's still a lot of question marks. It's still a lot of, hey, we don't really know. But there is at least some growth and promise in a few sectors. So where do you want to see it from here? What is your priority again now, Jeremy? And can I cheat and just keep talking about the running room or the running game? Like that's, I mean, I mean, I, that's I the big question. Like we, we don't know what DeAndre Swift is right now. We don't, we don't know even know his We don't status. know if he's healthy. We don't know if he's healthy. We don't know <laughs> if, if can he handle a full game's worth of, of, of snaps? I don't know. And I but, mean, like we, we saw good stuff out of Jamal Williams a little bit in the preseason, but, and I'm barely. the third, Barely. Yeah. And then the third running back was just Jermar Jefferson trying to prove that he, you know, deserves a spot on the roster. And look, he hurdled a guy in the last game, and that's fantastic. But I don't know what it's going to be if Swift can't uh, can't be ready for game time for some of those guys. Even if he can or can't, I'm, I'm just we've been burned just like the defensive line thing. We've been before. burned so many times about like, this is the year the lines are going to have a running game. They've got Anthony Lynn. They've got, you know, a, an offensive line. That's the best it's ever been. They've got a running back in year two after he ran 4.6 yards per carry last year. It's all lined up for the lines to have a running game, but can I see it first? Can I see Deandre Swift carry a ball against an opposing defense first? Can I see how well his groin's holding up? Can I see, if, you know, the Vitae at guard for the full season, full off season, do, do we get a better result there? Can I see Jonah Jackson take a year two jump? I, I need to see it. I'm sorry. I need, I'm a results guy. I need to see it before I'm just like, the running game's back in the Detroit. We've, we have established, We've established the run. The run. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm optimistic, but it also part of me thinks like this team could fall behind early and then like, what are they going to do when they can't run the ball? I don't know. <laughs> We'll see. Jared Goff. The answer is always Jared Goff for the entire season. Like, that's what we have to see. I think that we all got to see, I mean, one abbreviated drive, if you even want to call it that, three and out, ends with a nasty sack. And then you have the second drive, where it was a super long drive, but that could be how the Detroit Lions 2021 offense can be characterized for maybe the entire season. is. It lasts almost like nine, 10 minutes. It goes 11, 15 plays, but it ends in a field goal. And whether or not that field goal will be made or missed remains to be seen. But this is just going to be a team that's going to I I think this is going to be a team that really struggles. Like once it gets into into scoring range, once it once it becomes. Oh, man. Once it becomes dagger time. (laughs) Keep your eye. We, we've retired that, right? We've retired oh, that, right? No. I think Hawkinson's still doing it. Um, <laughs> I, also, I, I hope, I hope nobody's doing note, it. I'll <laughs> say on that note is maybe keep an eye. I'm I'm pretty sure Austin Seibert's on waiver wires for your fantasy league. So uh, <laughs> keep an eye and then decide if you don't really have a great kicker. He could be on the waiver wire in real life. 
depending on how <laughs> one goes. Who knows? Like, oh my! Do you God. think after that that eighteen play drive in the preseason, Anthony Lynn was on the sideline doing uh, an Adam Sandler impression from Uncut Gems and going, "This is how we win." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this you, you is. Win, this... Do you want to win with three running, running, uh, running plays or eighteen? <laughs> We just we bleed 15 minutes off the clock and maybe occasionally score a touchdown, if not a field goal, and try to win games nine to six. How did that uh, How did that movie end for uh, Adam Sandler's character again? <laughs> not Spoiler. great, Bob. Not great. <laughs> not, not great. <laughs> um, for me, it's I'm going to change tact and say I want to see how the coaches handle adversity, not just not just the players, but. And again, as I said, this is the month where I think Dan Campbell is finally getting a little more attention. And it's not just kneecaps, 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 kneecaps. Look at this dumb thing he did. Kneecaps, silly things from the Lions. Ha ha, they didn't keep two kickers. In the past week or two, there's been more positive stuff said about him. And I think people are finally realizing, oh, wait, this guy is a former NFL player who played under one of the greatest coaches of all time and also comes from that coach's coaching tree through vis-a-vis Sean Payton and maybe he doesn't have the coordinator background but okay let's see what he can do in Detroit however I said this before the lion the the lion's local media Detroit's local media is not used to seeing a rebuild and this could this town can get pretty nasty sometimes when things go south even with the team like a losers like the lions sometimes and it's going to get pointed. It's going to get frustrated. You can all have a positive attitude and all buy in. But once the losses start to pile up, that's when the locker room starts to get a little testy. And it's up to coaches who are player managers in the NFL to keep everyone together. And I want to see how that's going to pan out. All I, all I will say to this is I know it will be an upgrade over Matt Patricia, but I want to see a meaningful upgrade over Matt Patricia. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. And it's, uh, you're, you're right. I, I think that's a, a good point to bring up. And we've talked about it a little bit already, but just like that, when, when the turbulence hits, how, how will this team respond? How will the coaches respond? Because it seems like everyone is taking their cues from the coaching staff right now. And, and yeah, like I, I think the Lions, the media, Detroit, they're all in the honeymoon phase right now with Dan Campbell. And rightfully so. Like he's done everything right. He, I mean, aside from, aside from Don Mulebeck, but um, he's done mostly everything right. Well, I mean, it was not a great start for him because, like, yeah, the kneecaps thing sets the your coaches, CEO people asunder. And then there was, you know, quite a few questions from the regular people about why this guy get hired and not Eric. And none, of that, none of that was happening locally. Like the players, right? That was in, all, that was from the national side. Sure. And who, like, who cares about them? No one cares about them. They're not. It does. It does matter still. Like it doesn't. Well, it doesn't though. Like it, it ticket does. sales are from local people. People buying in Detroit. You just get to have to get the local people to buy in, and and that's all that should matter to them. But yeah, like this team, this team's going to lose some games. Like I, I know that's not probably what a lot of people that are listening in want to hear, but this team's going to lose some games. So then what happens? Is, is Dan Campbell still like the cheery like? golly gosh guy that, that that we that we like seeing every day in in front of the the press does he get a little angry does he get frustrated does he does he lose some of his energy and and i don't i suspect the answer to that is no for every single one of them i think he's just going to be himself but uh it, it it definitely is something that intrigues me because uh i think a lot of people are taking cues from him right now 
as long as Dan Campbell doesn't, ooh, I don't know, do something like publicly suggests that his players should be executed. I think that he'll do a pretty good job. <laughs> In that guy's defense, that was him bombing a joke from an old USC coach, I believe. However, also in also against that person, Brian Kelly is the only college coach with a body count. Uh, by the way, to close out this segment, Lions have announced their captains. They have indeed. And they did it in list cast format because they have five. Jared Goff, Frank Ragnow, Alex Anzalone, Trey Flowers, Jalen Reeves Maben. Can't say I'm really that surprised. I mean, Alex Anzalone might be a bit of a surprise. Like I thought maybe Jeff Jeff Okuda may I thought Jeff Okuda had an outside chance, given how vocal and uh how much of a leader he's really been in uh, in training camp. JRM is a great pick there. I think JRM's done a lot of work in kind of a leadership role there. I mean he's 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 one of the oldest guys on the team. Yeah. Well <laughs> at like twenty six or twenty seven. And one of the longest tenured lions at this point too. Seriously. I think he is the longest, is he not? Yeah. I think I think he might be the is he the only players? No, Taylor Decker, 2016. Ah, uh, yeah. Who is not a captain. Frank Ragnow gets the captaincy over him there. But anyway, oh, yeah. let's, Frank let's take a quick a Frank season. We're taking a quick break here. And when we come back, let's talk 49ers. Let's talk about those guys with dysentery from the Bay Area and their quinoa and their avocado toast, which is delicious. We'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So Pride of Detroit POD cast. That's the name. Don't don't use it out too much. Uh, let's see. Where are we at? Let's look ahead to the 49ers game to finish our season preview episode here. We do have first bite coming for you later this week. So look for that as we as we will discuss the 49ers side of it and those matchups. But let's look exclusively at the Lions and what we expect out of the Lions and maybe what we're looking for from the Lions in the first game. Week one is volatile. Week one is weird. And we are ready for that weirdness when you are just playing with house money like like the Detroit Lions, where even if you lose, you kind of win, baby, because you improve the draft stock. We are not talking about draft stock in week one. I am not <laughs> doing it. 
You just did in the scraps. Nope. Can't prove it. Yes, I can. Just watch. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got a way <laughs> to prove it now. Um, look, okay, so I, I I won't talk too much about the 49ers, but this is a good first test defense for someone like Jared Goff, I feel like. Mm-hmm. To, to know right out of the gate what who Jared Goff is. I think it's kind of I think it's gonna be a tough game to to assess Jared Goff because this might be one of the toughest defenses he's gonna face all season long. Yeah, rip I mean, the band-aid off. Yeah, I, I mean it's just gonna be really tough because they have a they have the perfect TJ Hawkinson's shutdown player on their team in Fred Warner. I mean he's he's the he is the kryptonite to any tight end in this league. He's he's the exact guy you want on that tight end. And you don't even have to worry about double teaming Hawkinson or putting eight players in the box and and doing whatever, you know, other teams are supposedly going to be doing against the Lions. So it, it's going to come back a, a lot to like what Jeremy said, like it's going to be on Anthony Lynn to be creative in you know, pre-snap motion and things like this and, and mixing things up in the backfield and whatnot. But Jared Goff is going to have a rude awakening in week one because that 49ers defense, like I said, it's probably going to be a top five defense in the NFL. Right. And it's, it's just a, it's kind of a poor matchup too, right? Because if there's one question about the defense I have, it's that they're secondary. There's a bunch of kind of overturn there and and not a lot of proven talent there. There, There's some, there's some guys that, that have shown flashes, but the Lions could really use a good wide receiving core in this game. They don't have it. And then, I mean, I think the, the, the biggest, thing that I'm I'm looking for from the Lions here is that offensive line, right? Because mm-hmm. Bosa, Armstead, it, it's going to be a, a huge test for, for Decker to, to get, you know, back to his top 10 left tackle self again. Um, and then obviously Panay Sewell this is going to be a, a, a really, really tough test for him. And uh, we, we got to see how it holds up. And, and you know, they, they, Javon Kinlaw is in, in the interior there. So They've got a lot of guys there that, that are going to test, you know, the, what we deem the strength of this team. And we're going to find out really soon if this is just, you know, a, a relative strength of the team because everything else is so bad. Or if this is a legitimate group of players that, that can boast, you know, a top 10 unit potentially. We've been talking all offseason about how Lions offensive line is getting disrespected. You know, it's not in these top 10 lists, it's not in these top five lists. Um, this, I mean, if, if you can show up, against the 49ers in week one, that that goes a long way in proving some of these guys wrong. Yeah, and there's usually week one is always volatile enough that you can probably come out of the gate with, you know, and kind of surprise people a little bit and see what you can really do. Um, I on the defensive side, we keep saying we want to see the more from the defensive backs. And I don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo is really going to be the one who really tests you there. What Ryan's got his finger up, though. I think this goes back to what Jeremy said in the segment earlier where we talked about the coaching staff being on display. Yeah, I think that this is going to be an opportunity for the coaching staff to show how prepared they are because they mentioned that they're preparing for two quarterbacks, both Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. And then the second thing is, is how they're going to be able to adjust how they're going to be able to adjust on the fly when it comes to this delineation between Garoppolo under center, Lance under center. They have some really speedy running backs. I I think that this is going to be a very 
interesting first take of the Lions defense as a whole, because like Jeremy said, there's so much depth along the defensive line and that's great, but we need to see it. And, and not only do we need to see it, we need to see it implemented in the right way. And that's where it comes that where that's where it comes back on the coaching staff. So they're going to be really under a microscope for me in, in, in week one against the 49ers. No, no question. And we talked about it a little bit with Dan Campbell today about how tricky this, this offense is the Kyle Shanahan offense, where there's a ton of pre-snap motion. There's a ton of misdirection. There's a ton of this way and that way. And he called it eye candy where it's trying to get your players to be undisciplined. You, they see one thing happening. They react to that. They, they lose their discipline of what they're supposed to be doing on the play. And, and they're and the Niners are going in the other direction. What scares me here is that the Lions roster is full of a ton of young players, a ton of guys who won't have seen these sort of things before, who if, if you're going to have a group of guys that might be susceptible to all this misdirection, it's going to be first and second and third year players. And that's all the Lions defense is. That's what 90% the of their one, defensive roster. What was the one play from the preseason where we all saw the defense kind of get embarrassed a little bit? That was the Ben Roethlisberger pump fakes. Right. Like that kind of, so that goes to your point. Like that's well, young guys got to learn about that stuff. Yeah, and, and, that, and, that been, and those early plays against Buffalo, like those yeah. screens, the misdirections on the bootlegs and stuff where, where yep. players are leaking out like, Hey, the 49ers have Kyle Juszczyk. Like that's just yeah. what he does. George Kittle. That's just what they're going to do. Like, right. yeah. And, you know, I, I asked Romeo Quara this today too, because like, the the whole offense the whole off season this defense has been talking about we're going to be more aggressive we're going to we're going to make them have to account for us we're going to dictate the game rather than they are and so i said well how do you be aggressive when you also have to be super disciplined and he just said you got to trust the tape you got to do your research on the tape you got to trust what you see you've got to make sure that you know if you know why this team is doing this why they're sending this guy in motion why they're doing that then you can trust yourself my question is how much film are these rookies and, and first and second year play? How much, how much are they going to have? How much are they going to retain? And, and that, that's what brings me, I think, the most fear in this matchup is just, I think Kyle Shanahan going against a really, really young defense is, is, a, is a huge tip of the scales in San Francisco's favor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially, I think so. and, like, and like you say about lack of tape too, Jeremy, like what kind of tape do they have on Trey Lance? <laughs> Not much. None. <laughs> And he's going to come in on, on packages designed for Trey Lance if they do play him. Like, if Kyle Shanahan's taking the tape off of Trey Lance and putting him out there, it's going to be because he knows he's going to put him in a, in a position to, like, really make a play. And really quick, and, and we'll talk about this on first play a little bit, too. They're, they're, I think we need to at least mention the fact that, that uh, Trey Lance is dealing with a chip in one of his fingers or something. He, I think he, he, I'm like, I could be wrong. He, he didn't have a brace at today's practice, but if I'm not mistaken, at least early in practice, he wasn't throwing a football. So there's, there's yeah. a possibility. They're just like, you know what? There's a rookie of our future. There's a quarterback of the future. Let's not play him in week one. Um, but at the same time, I think they're, I think, I think if he's, if they deem him healthy enough, they're going to at least put him out there situationally. Has he, has he tried eating it? It's just a crumb. We're, we're going to have him eat. All right. Three keys to the game. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go to eat the eat the W eat the L. All right, three keys to the game. What you got, Jeremy? Well, I mean, first is that is what I said at the top is they they need to protect Jared Goff. They we need to see Panay Sewell trial by fire, not have some of those mistakes he showed in the preseason. I I have faith in Taylor Decker. I I'm curious as if maybe the game plan is to put Darren Fells over 
on Panay Sewell's side, help him out a little bit there. I think that would be smart. That's why you have Darren Fells. Um, so you got to protect Jared Goff and, and you got to run the ball. You got to, you know, it, the, I think the offensive line is the biggest key in this game, uh, period, because I think that they're, they're going to want to run the ball. They're going to want to keep the, the, the 49ers offense off the field. And uh, they, they have to protect Jared Goff in, in the cases when he's dropping back to throw because, man, that, that is, I mean, Dan Campbell today, the very first thing he said when what pops off of the tape for the 49ers, Bosa, period. Got to stop Bosa. Number one key of the game. Ryan, yeah. your key. Oh, man, my key. Jeremy took my key. Um, so he, here's my key. I, it, it comes back to what I was talking about, the defense. And I think it's it's how well the defense is prepared and how well they are able to adjust on the fly. Because I think once they get a taste of Trey Lance in the first half, then maybe there's an opportunity in the second half. As long as things don't get out of hand, that maybe we can see how this coaching staff is able to scheme things up so that they can contain Trey Lance. and. You know what I we we saw it in glimpses, right? And I think one of the one of the brightest thing one of the brightest spots of the preseason was Derek Barnes, and Derek Barnes eventually making that play that players were continuous continuously falling, you know, victim to in that Buffalo game was like those dump off screens um, that were that was away from the play side, and then you see the Lions recognize that put Derek Barnes in a position to succeed, him to trust himself and trust the coaching, and then go and make that play. Like, that's what I'm going to be that that's going to be a key to the Lions. I think this entire season is having those young guys be able to make adjustments and make plays. And if they want to keep things close, it's going to be it's going to be on their defense. My key here is going to be on the offense and it's called golf around and find out, which doesn't even make sense. I think Jared Goff, um, like, look, Bosa's a problem. You're going to have to get it out pretty quick. You're not going to have to get challenged downfield too much, but you are going to have to have a pretty good vision of the field. And you're going to have to rely on some young guys to try to get open best you can. But I don't think the Lions are getting much on the ground in this game. It's going to, the offense is going to live or die by what Jared Goff wants to do on where he puts that ball. And, you know, defense can work against the 49ers all you can, but, uh, if if Goff and that offense isn't doing anything out of the gate, then it's going to it's going to fall apart pretty quick. Not a visual medium, but we have also been podcasting for almost two and a half hours. <laughs> That's right. We're running out of steam, folks. <laughs> we are. We, we've been spending a lot of time between segments. Look for extra size scraps. And I think, though, we are almost there unless anyone I, I see Jeremy was like pondering my key very hard. But I mean, yeah, I. I this is Jared Goff's first opportunity to prove a lot of people wrong. And last week someone asked him like, you know, do you, do you pay attention to the outside stuff? You know, does that, does that motivate you? And, you know, he, he played around first. He's like, I don't listen to the outside stuff. And then someone asked him it again. Some, someone asked him again and he was like, listen, I know what people are saying. I'm not stupid. I know expectations are low for this team. I know expectations are low for me and doesn't motivate me. Yeah. Maybe a little bit, but, um, you know, he, he, he just, he seemed to believe, you know, anything can happen and, and maybe, maybe it can, maybe I'm wrong about Jared Goff. Maybe a lot of people who counted off Jared Goff, um, as soon as the lines traded for him, which wasn't me, um, maybe they were right. But yeah. I mean, it's, this, it's, if, if, if he can change the narrative in one single game and, and he probably can't in one single game, but yeah. if, if he does it 
if he shows up against the 49ers, like he looks okay. If he just looks decent, if he doesn't look like a complete disaster, I think that's that's enough to be like, okay, well, it's a start. Right. I, I think that's where we get into defining what a disaster is. And the thing that I like about Jared Goff's response is obviously he's not dumb and he's he's aware of the expectations with this team. But I don't need Jared Goff playing out of himself. Like, I don't need him playing outside of himself. Jared Goff is at his best when he's playing within himself, when he's not trying to, you know, prove anything about him being a former number one overall pick or, you know, we we're all dying for Jared Goff to take shots down the field and for, you know, these speedy wide receivers that the Lions have to to stretch the field vertically and open up things for the run game and make everything hunky dory. But we don't want that. We want Jared Goff to not turn the ball over. We want Jared Goff. I mean, because Jeremy's going to hate this. He's going to absolutely hate it. But the Lions have Jack Fox. Oh, God. <laughs> Look, well, all I'll say on Jared Goff, all, all, all I'm going to say on Jared Goff, the one last point I have is this. The 49ers know Jared Goff very well, but that also holds on the reverse that Jared Goff knows the 49ers very well. They've been playing each other twice a year for, for uh, several years now. Like, this shouldn't be a complete unknown to Jared Goff on who this team is. <sighs> The issue I have with what Ryan said, and it's not just that you're relying on a punter as a weapon, which is a huge problem. Uh, I'm not saying it's a formula for success by any right. means. Well, yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like Jared, Go- you're right. Jared Goff works best when when everything is is running smoothly, and he's you know I hate I hate to use the term, but more of a game manager type of guy. Like he's just he's he's not making mistakes. He's taking what the defenses get him. But the problem with that is it's not going to work this year. Like they, they're going to like they're going to need him to play Stafford ball at some point where it's just like, sorry, golf, we're, we're down 14 points in the fourth quarter. Go throw us a win. And it might it might happen in week one. And I don't think a lot of people have faith that that's going to work. And, and it's, it's not all Jared Goff's fault because the Lions did not do a good job getting him a receiving core. They just didn't. They, they took a couple swings. They didn't seem to hit on pretty much any of them. And so now we're left with with, you know, waiver wire scraps and, and, you know, seventh round draft pick swaps and, and things like that. And so it, it's he's in a tough situation. And, and like I've been saying on the entire podcast, really, the only way out is a good running game. And I just and, don't know if we're there yet. And that's what they did. Right. And I think it's really clear now to see that the Lions, instead of prioritizing the wide receiver room, is they prioritize trying to establish a running game. Yeah. I mean, they went out and got Jamal Williams. They drafted Panay Sewell in the first round. You know, they did things to try to set up this team for success when it when it comes to the ground game. And I mean, that's why Josh, it's it's silly, Josh but like Hill. Josh Hill was a Hill. signing that was supposed to be that that was a big signing yeah. that, you know, they they had to they had to call an audible and they had to go get Darren Fells. But it's clear that they prioritized a running game. And so that's what makes me think. It, it's it's dissimilar, right? Because here's the thing: like we we talk about the Matt Patricia years, and they have a Ferrari and Matthew Stafford, but they want to try to play game possession and they want to run the ball and they want to beat teams with their with their defense and and controlling the clock. Well, now it's the opposite. Now you have a Hyundai Sonata in the garage, and that thing is supposed to win you games at certain times. Like we're worried if that thing can get on the interstate. Yeah, we got it. We got sorry, it. We got sorry, it Hyundai owners. We got, we got we got it from CarMax. It's got over a hundred thousand miles on it. Like it's. We uh, needed a car talk for the bingo card, folks. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's it. Preseason. I mean, preview for the season. Done. Bam. 
For myself, I'm Chris Perfett, the adequate host, the Luchador host, at Chris Perfett on Twitter. Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online. Ryan Matthews, the rock god, at Ryan underscore P-O-D. Guys, I say it every year, but we made it. We're all live. We made it to another football season. This one, I don't know if it feels good. It feels weird, but it's, it's a good kind of weird. Do you mind if I sign off? Why not? I, wanna, I, I almost want to try to get all of us to sign off at the same time. My stereo last time didn't work, though. Oh, I have, it. I have my own outro. Do we you have a new that? catchphrase? Oh. We have a new catchphrase for the new season, folks. Wake up the neighbors. Do it. Do it. Sunday. It's pronounced like Sunday. <laughs> and football is played on Sunday. Sunday.